Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's up? What's up, dude? Oh, you know me. So Just we're got the flow going. We're hanging out. We're having a good time. You do. You look like Mr. Bates. So the uh, that's an Ozark reference for Jason those that Bateman. are new. Yeah, Mr. Bates. So the let's see weekly recap. We're back in my basement wearing t-shirts because it's cold again. We're gonna get a foot of snow tonight, um, starting at 9 p.m. So we're going to wake up to a foot of snow. Cool. That's exciting. It's good that I can at least go home first without getting destroyed by the snow on the way home, you know? Correct. The Let's see what else. I bought trim for the entire upstairs of my house. So over my left shoulder, you can see it on the floor if you're on YouTube. Um, if you're not watching us on YouTube, I really don't know why you're not because you get way more out of our episodes. Yeah. So speaking of that, thank everybody for joining us. We are the Buffalo Happy Hour Podcast. We record weekly episodes that release every single Monday, and then we also record special interviews that we call small business interviews, where we feature a local small business, and that releases every Friday. So if you want to help us continue to support small businesses, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave a like on this video, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. So leave a comment down below on what your favorite part of today's video was. We do have a lot to discuss, don't we? We do. It's, it's your tagline. Yeah, yeah. Um other than buying trim and painting it and getting situated over the weekend with like laundry, paint touch-up jobs down here, and ripping carpet off of my basement stairs, I had a super easy week. Good. So obviously we're super busy with the podcast, but otherwise just chilling. What about yeah. you? What was your week? I mean, today we're going to talk about Hudson Baby Bourbon Whiskey, which is going to be exciting. And then who else are we going to talk about? Willis Carrier. Willis Carrier, yes. But my week was pretty, uh, pretty low-key, man. Didn't do much. I, uh, what? It was a low key. I mean, it kind of was. The last two days was a little, or last day. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it was kind of a busy week. You look exhausted. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little tired. I sold my house. So my, my duplex, I sold that. Said, see ya. And, uh, yeah. So it was nice to get it literally listed last week. And it sold above asking this week. I told you. Went crazy, dude. I've been telling you for three weeks, you're going to sell this house in two weeks. I'm and very you sold happy. it in a week and a half. Yeah, I'm very happy. So that's why I'm calling you Mr. Bates, because <laughs> you're rocking the, the all-natural look with the hair. You're exhausted from liquidating assets. and uh, Not because I'm investigated, because of money laundering, but <laughs> correct. maybe we just can't discuss details here. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah. we so got to get rid it, of the it's ink been a long couple. <laughs> it's been a long couple of days, but we're uh, we're here, man. We're living large. And uh, we're just doing this podcast. It's going to be a great episode. Well, we better have an entire separate mobile setup then, since Mr. Moneybags is across the table now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're fine. God, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. Yeah. It's a lot less off your plate. Yeah, it was. I mean, I told, because I still have tenants that live there, and I told them, I'm like, listen, man, I'm so busy lately 
with everything going on, I can't be the best landlord that I want to be. So it just doesn't make sense for me to own this right now. And it just so happened that I'm capitalizing on a good time in the market because right now real estate prices are skyrocketing. And yeah, so at least I still have my house that I have now. I mean, it's not like I'm selling my actual home. Correct. Yeah, you're not homeless. You're not like living here. So well, I could. We'd pack it up and then you'd sleep on the couch. Start chilling. Does look like a very comfy couch. It is a comfy couch. You've been on it. How many times have you slept on that? Like naps or overnight? Overnight. None. Naps. Like three. What about the chair? Uh, I was going to, and then I moved to the floor, and then I got aggressively moved to my bed. That was after a, a long <laughs> night. That was after a long night of <laughs> what is consumption of liquids. So I, uh, I didn't want to move. Colleen, if you're new here, my wife, she gave up on me. And uh, she's like, whatever, just sleep on the carpet then. I'm like, well, it's plush. And then her cousin, when he was staying here at the Kelly B&B, he just walked over and he's like, I'll give it a shot. And that was like the last thing I heard. Then I just like woke up in the morning. Really? So he somehow got me to my bed. And oh, I'm he like, did? Well, oh, yeah. Yep. Wow. He got me there. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he carried me. I, I don't think he carried me. I don't think so. Who knows? He's, he's a wild card. <laughs> and then uh, that was it. So What were you drinking that night? Oh, what was I drinking? I had I had one beer in his honor, and then I switched back, and I had a bourbon. I don't remember which one, though. Not a good sign. Definitely not a good sign. No. No. Was it a bullet? Because that's what you had in your decanter at the time. I think it was. I think I finished what was in the... Yeah. Yep. Sure was. That was it. Finished it. <laughs> finished the decanter. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> So what's in there right now? Nothing. Nothing. Basil Hayden was in it. I crushed it. Gone. So now I got Bowman Brothers upstairs. They're a small batch. It's a solid ninety proof. So what is uh? How much uh, St. Lawrence we got left up there? A lot. I haven't touched it. Oh really? Yeah. So after we recorded, I had one. I had a, like a half of a pour with dinner, and then I it's still uh it's still up there sitting pretty. It's good, huh? Yeah. It's too good. Yeah. That's why I'm just leaving it down here. So I'm not constantly looking at it. And then well, I'll just take a little sip. Yeah. I'm preserving it. I'm very addicted to buying new bourbon. I don't drink nearly as much as I probably should owning a whiskey podcast. Right. But I have so many open bottles at home that I feel bad because like they're open and not being consumed. Do better, I feel bro. terrible, right? Like this thing. Do better. We had this over when the Bills were in the... The Colts game? No, Colts game I wasn't... The Ravens. The Ravens game. Yeah. Which was... The divisional round. Which was... The beginning of Feb? No. No. Obviously not the beginning of February. No, it was the middle of January, right? Yes. So it's been about... A, probably about a month since we opened this. And it's been the same since I took it home from your spot. You just kept it, man. We had a lot that day. Yeah, we did. But to be fair, it wasn't just us. There was, I think, one to two other people trying it. It was mostly us. I mean, we did we did fine. Yeah. The uh, But I'm addicted to buying new bourbons, but I want to like finish this one off because it's so low. So that brings me to a point that I wanted to discuss with you today is what is your preferred proof point and what type of – talk to us about the journey of your – starting proof point of where you're at now because we've openly said it's changed quite a bit when i first started drinking whiskey i was a 
below 80 proof dude. Well, can't be whiskey if it's below 80 proof. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I started drinking whiskey and I had 80 proof, I'm like, I don't want to drink whiskey anymore because <laughs> I'm below 80 proof. That's what I meant. Yeah. So when I got used to 80 and I made the jump, I believe it was Jack Daniels that I tried at the higher proof point, um, sitting at 86. Was that the like, first time you had it neat or that's just it was yeah. that hot going into a cocktail? No, neat cocktails it was a different book like i i never really cared about proof when it was in a cocktail because i was so focused on everything else right. none of none of that really mattered but neat was when it changed the game so had a bunch of green label and then um the like the black number seven and then after that i jumped into 90s and it was always just flat 90 i would h- hang out around there and when that became super easy to drink i'm like this isn't good like i don't know if it's if it's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know what's going on but i can distinctly taste the difference between a and b and then now i'm sitting at lowest range is like a 90 and my ideal proof point it's like anywhere from 96 to 110 Mm -hmm. Like, I just love that proof point range. Well, good, because this is 92, so it's yeah. going to be interesting to see that. But I'm in the same boat. We've had a lot of barrel strength stuff recently where you and I were like, well, this is this is pretty good. And then when we did that tasting, before the tasting, I was like, I'm pretty sure my proof point has changed quite a bit. Then we did the tasting for our Stave and Thieves Society Certified Bourbon Stewards exam. Correct. And uh, going through that flight... I'm like, man, my proof point now is at like a 110. It's It's ridiculous. And it's not because you're quote unquote used to it. It's just because your palate wants to pick up different things. And when you're at a lower proof point, it's always the same flavor profile. Mm -hmm. You're like, this isn't, I need more. Yeah. And now that we're jumping into a higher proof, man. It opens up doors to so many different products that most people are afraid of. And they're like, I don't even want to. That tastes like gas. Like, I don't want to drink that. And you're like, you're not. You don't get it. You just don't get it. Right. So we're at nine. It's 46%. So some people are going to be like, well, it's it's really technically whatever, dude. 45 is 90. 46 is most likely 92. It is what it is. Yeah, it is 92. Yeah, you're fine. There's, There's people that debate it. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. I'm like the conversion literally says 92, so I don't know what. What are they? What are they debated as? Like they just don't trust the percentage here. Yeah, they're like, well, if 45 is 90, then how do you know it's 92? I'm like, this is the worst argument that people have. But it you literally just proves the percentage. It's all you it, do. it's correct. It's literally proof that people will argue about anything. Like <laughs> it's a rock. No, it's a boulder. Like I can understand that they're saying, okay, it can't be exactly 96. percent There's got to be some decimals in there. Like St. Lawrence, that one was what. 90, 96 proof, you mean? Yeah. Well, it, it can't be exactly 46%. It has see, to be like yeah. 46.456. Right, because when you drop it to a proof, it's like 130.6 right. for the Blantons. Or yeah. And the the um, St. Lawrence. Lawrence was 0. .3. Select is, so it was yeah. 60.3 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Weird. Uh, or 60.13. But yeah, that's. Uh, I think my proof point now is over 100. Over 100? Mm-hmm. I'm still fine if it's below 100. I just can't be any lower than 90. Like, I just I just can't do it. Yeah. But I still love, like, a 90-proof 
small batch is incredible for me. What was the last time, or what was the last bourbon that we had that was below 90? I can't even remember it off the top of my head. Top of my head, I can't. Maybe Bullet. That was a while ago. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. Because we did a bunch of episodes for budget bourbon, uh, budget bourbons, mm-hmm. not bourbons. I don't know what that Burgeon, word is. Bourbon bourbons. Yeah, all the things. <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, <clears throat> that's where that's where we're at. Interesting. Yeah. So anything else happened this week? You you got everything done. You got all your molding here. Um, yeah. Did you already start putting some up or no? No, not yet. I'm paint so. There's multiple ways to skin a cat. What I found... It's not PETA approved. You can't say that anymore. You're going to get canceled. Perfect. Well, there's more than one way to do something. There you go. And what I found out for me is I like to pre-paint all my trim before I install it because that saves hours, you know, cutting Mm -hmm. and dealing with getting paint where I don't want it to get. So it's at length now for the most part. Um, And then I pre-painted it. So now that the paint is done... I'm going to go room by room, nice and slow, and then knock it out every couple days, just put some up, and then do it that way instead of ripping everything out, and then I have half the house done, half of it not. Like, it's just going to be ridiculous. And the thing that I looked at today, which I didn't account for, uh, I still have to buy door casing. So for those that don't know, the casing is the, the trim that literally goes around the door. So still have to buy that. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of corn. Yeah. So the what is happening? Computer, relax. So the I was getting ready for work this morning. It's like six a.m. Putting my jeans on, and I look, and I realized <laughs> I didn't account for any of the windows. Mm. So now I have to do all the trim around the windows. I'm like, well. Is it all tan right now? Like go, yeah, it's all it's all wood. I'm like, here we go. Let's add it to the list. Here we go. Let's go back. Keep back and forth. It's like Home Depot for any project. You know, yeah. it's like you're, you start, and then all of a sudden you forget your, your short three things. You're like, oh, let's drive around. But it's fine. Everything's fine. Do you think you could figure out how to build a house from start to finish? You personally? Yes, because there's a lot of videos on YouTube, and that's how I learn. So... It would take an extremely long time, and there'd be a lot of errors, and I don't know if it would be to code. But that's what I'm saying. Like That's part of building a house is to make it to code. Listen, do you want a house or do you want a structure? (laughs) A house. To code. Yeah. So then with permits and town's approval and everything else, Mm -hmm. as a GC. Do you think you could do it? With enough time, yeah. With enough time, absolutely. How many trips to Home Depot? (laughs) I wouldn't even go to Home Depot. (laughs) I, I wouldn't even go yeah. there. Not I mean, obviously not for lumber, but you can't find good lumber at Home Depot, dude. No. It's ridiculous. You gotta go to 84 Lumber. No way. No. No. Not in Western going? New York. You gotta go to Quaker Mill. I've never heard of it. What? What? Yeah. Okay, so if you buy MDF trim at Home Depot like I did, the trim that I got at Home Depot is about $2.30 a foot. The same trim at Quaker Mill is 72 cents, and that's after a price increase. Why didn't you go there then? For for Quaker Mill? Yeah. That's where I went. Oh, I thought that you got that at 
Home no. Depot. God, no. I go to Quicken Mill for every piece of wood that I ever need. Oh. They have everything. And it's so much better. Fairly priced. They're a smaller company. Super good dudes. They're right in the village of OP. It's awesome. Oh, really? God, yeah. Go there for everything. Like hardware for your cabinets. If you want a new kitchen, go there. If you need wood, go there. Trim. Crown molding, go there. Knobs, locks, go there. Everything. Quicken Mill. Interesting. I've never been there. Dude, I'm literally just going to take you to just walk around. It's amazing. <laughs> there, there's your PSA. Go to Quaker Mill if, if you're in Buffalo for any piece of wood that you need. What else did you do from there? So one of my old jobs, um, it was grounds and maintenance, but the maintenance and, and the grounds was extremely vague. So we were doing all building construction, all remodeling throughout the year, keeping up 27 acres worth of property mm-hmm. um, with multiple buildings. And a lot of that there were side projects that we were brought in on that was just GC work, general contracting work for those that don't know. And a lot of it was just very, you know, general residential uh, construction. So we literally lived in Quaker Mill, picking up everything we needed. And back then everything was cheap. Like MDF is- Sounds like the restaurant depot for lumber. Exactly. Yep. So MDF is great because it's, it's flexible for one. It's much easier to work with. Um, but it's it's very dusty because it's legitimate it's sawdust glued together. It's fiberboard. So if you want white like I did, it's pre-primed and then you would just paint it. So the max you can buy it is 16 foot lengths. So I bought eight 16 footers for my entire house and then I cut them to size on my miter saw. Mm-hmm. Dude stuff. Basic dude stuff. That's right. <laughs> shut up, Pat Mac. And then uh, from there I painted everything, and now I just rip out the old, install the new with my cuts, and I'm done. And what's awesome is they have battery-powered nail guns. So yeah. instead of an air compressor and a hose all over more. the place. Yeah, they cost more, but. I want one of the, the air compressor ones, though. They're sick. So I'm literally just going to grab my trim, walk up. <laughs> that's it. And then, obviously, you got a stud finder for the top. So, another fun fact for those that don't know or have never done it for baseboard trim, you got the um, the bottom of the wall has like a a joist basically. So you you can just throw nails in on the bottom, mm-hmm. but on the top you can't do that, especially if you're going into drywall. So you have to find the studs for where you're going to nail the top of the trim into the wall. So a lot of people make that mistake, but. You basically just hold the trim down against the floor, up against the wall at the same time, throw in one on the, the bottom of the piece of trim, and then on the top, you just grab your stud finder, find the stud, and then right where the stud is, put a nail in, and then keep going all the way down the wall. And because you pre-painted it, you don't have to go back and paint it once mm-hmm. it's installed, so you're saving yourself hours. And then obviously you just caulk your corners or write a you know, little bead right across the top if need be. Are you going to do like the 45-degree cuts or are you going to cheap out and do the, the 90s? So my walls are at 92 degrees upstairs. I bought a digital protractor to find out what degree my walls are at. Mm. So now I know what cuts I have to make to actually make them fit. I mean, basically, it's still a 40. It's like it's still a 45, but yeah. it's, it's 45 and a half, 46-degree cut. And then just cut it, throw it in, and it'll fit. So that's what you're going to do the cuts? Well, you have to because well, you got to take it to the corner. People don't do that. Why? That looks like garbage. Well, obviously. That's yeah. why I'm asking you what you do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. You have to. So come down, you know, got my mutter saw, man stuff, and then yeah, see, like, there. just cut them. So the reason – so for the basement, 
I didn't do it for the basement. Yeah. Reason being, it's a basement. The second thing is they have the, the things. They have the edging already down all the way down. What is it? It's wood. Like it's OSB plywood. Wood, right? So yeah. the walls are OSB plywood. So I just painted the walls and brightened the whole thing up. But yeah. I didn't throw in drywall down here. And they also it wouldn't have made sense to do that. It, dude, this was it was not cost effective at all. Yeah. Because they have the foundation, but then they have like a floating wall. And then they just tacked up OSB, and the o, like the studs behind the OSB aren't 16 on center. Gotcha. So it didn't make sense anyways for me to rip literally everything out, start from scratch, re-insulate, and then throw up. I'm like, screw that. Plus, it would have been dusty beyond all imagine. So yeah. I just painted the floor, painted the walls, and then I just threw up white trim to make it look halfway decent. But because they have the edging on every corner, I just made super simple cuts. Yeah, you just made it fit. Yeah, and then just threw it on. So... I didn't even paint that. That's that's just primed. There's no paint on that at all. But upstairs, it's you know it'll look finished. Do you like doing the trim around the windows and doors? I do because I'm anal. Yeah, me too. So like all the doors are going to get replaced. All the door casings are going to get replaced. The windows, all the trim around the windows, and then the baseboard. And then we're redoing carpets and just freshening up the entire upstairs to make it. You're going to redo all the carpeting too? Not all of it. So the dining room and the living room's fine there's yeah. no issues but the bedrooms we're going to rip out oh, okay and then put new in and then the last big project we're going to do is a down to the studs gut job in the bathroom and then once that's done which is september october time frame 2021 of this really yep wow. once once that bathroom's gutted and redone then flipping her and then leaving moving into the woods baby <laughs> out of here <laughs> i want room so i can smoke a cigar shoot drink bourbon cut down dead trees have fires run around with sam let him gnaw on all the sticks and just get away and just leave me alone leave me alone i will talk to you if i want to talk to you we'll record Jesus. we'll have a pole barn full of weights it's gonna be the kelly compound sounds good we'll see you then well, thanks you, everybody you'll be my neighbor so yeah. not Hell a big yeah. deal it'd be sick um we got a cool event coming up you want to talk about it the Saturday, what's happening? Yeah, just so, because we talked about what our preferred proof point is. So we're recording it, or are we just going live on our story? We're gonna record it. All right. So and you then we'll heard upload, it here first on this episode, and then we'll upload clips okay. or something like that. That's like, right. It's not gonna That's be right. a full episode. That's what we talked about. Okay. So we got approached by Three Chord Bourbon for us to do a barrel pick with them, and they wanted us to collaborate and have a Buffalo Happy Hour barrel pick, uh, three-chord whiskey. So we're excited. So they asked us, hey, pick your panel, have your people show up. So we we talked to close friends and, um, you know, colleagues of ours that are in the industry, and we're going to meet at three-chord's office, and we're going to do a barrel pick, multiple flights, probably Uber, It'll be fine. And then uh, we'll record it for you guys so you get, so you can enjoy it. But essentially, we're going to have you know a bunch of bottles that are going to be branded with uh, Three Chords label. And then it's going to have its own little like award basically around the bottle saying that it was selected by us and our panel. So that's going to be really cool. You guys can watch us uh, go through that process as well. Like Derek said, it's going to have clips. So that's going to be sweet. That's this Saturday. So in, you won't. You'll see that before you see this because of how our weekly episodes it upload. It depends on when we upload those clips, you know. Well, that's true. So we'll just talk to our editing guy and have him. Jamie's back there. He's yeah. He's going to do it all. Yeah, or James. Um, 
But yeah, so what do you what's your approach going to be with that? Like are do we want something that is our deliciousness or do you want something that is for mass appeal deliciousness? Because we're going to partner up with some liquor stores and hopefully have them sell it, right? Cuz we can't legally sell people bourbon. Correct. But if it's bourbon, what if it's not blowing people's minds? Wow. So I think that's the benefit of having the panel because the panel is bringing in stewards such as ourselves. Had to throw it in. Um, but also like people that are enthusiasts and then also head distillers. So we're having a vast range of <clears throat> palettes mm-hmm. being introduced. And I think that that'll help answer that question. I think it will incorporate our taste no doubt. It has to. Because at the end of the day, it's still ours. We're going to take their input, but we're not going to be like, you're the deciding factor. That's not how this works. Enjoy the ride, sweetheart. So that's that's how that's going to roll. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to match our deliciousness. So let us know in the comments below. This is where you guys come in. We're going to be buying a bunch of bottles, obviously from this barrel, that we're going to choose. Yeah. And we are going to order a a set amount of them but we can expand that set amount if there's a lot of interest so leave a comment down below let us know if you would pick up a three-quart bourbon buffalo happy hour bottle and if you're excited for this because this is going to be our first partnership with a distillery like this yeah it's it's honestly pretty big um and it's also allowing us to do other events like this so there's already things in the works that literally happened today so we're starting to get more involved in panel discussions, selections, uh, single barrel picks, and then... Because we're stewards. We're something. <laughs> I don't know what we are, but we're something. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. But that's where we're at, man. Cool. All right. Well, you want to get into the whiskey section? Yeah, let's write this thing. Nope. We got to talk about it first. Fine. <laughs> What are you laughing at? I I just got a text from a buddy that makes me probably, on a scale of 1 to 10 in happiness, 11.5 out of 10. Whoa. Why is that? Can we not talk about it? We'll talk about it off camera. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but it should have been in the last segment, not this segment. So it's fine. Well, we'll We'll talk about it after. All right. So today we are going to be tasting and rating and giving suggestions on Hudson Baby Bourbon Whiskey Review. So if all of you don't know, by clicking on this video, we are on episode 74. And Hudson Baby Bourbon Whiskey is 92 proof, 46% ABV. The awards that this has won is the 2013 International Wine and Spirits Competition. They won gold. And then in 2013, also, the Craft Spirits International Competition. They also won gold. Who won the gold? So a little company background here. In 1788, Sela Tuthill built one of the first Greist mills in the area to render local grains into flour. The Tuthill Town Greist Mill was the longest continuously operating Greist mill in New York state history. In 1982, it was added to the National Registry of Historic Places. Around that time, it began, it began producing kosher for Passover matzo flour for the Jewish community in and around New York City. Today, it awaits the reopening of an on-site restaurant. 
So for 220 years, the Tullhuttown Greist Mill, a landmark which is listed on the National Registry of Historic Places, used water power to render local grains into flour. In 2003, Ralph Arenzo and Brian Lee created Tuthill Town Spirits, converting one of the mill granaries into a micro distillery. Over 10 years later, Tuthill Town Spirits is producing some of the best known whiskeys in the country. So Tuthill Town Spirits distills and highly distills the highly awarded and available Hudson whiskey line used grain harvested by farmers less than 10 miles away. Meanwhile, indigenous apple vodka is distilled from apples grown at orchards less than five miles away. As a commitment to their environment and efficiency, Tuthill Town is currently using waste alcohol and installing solar panels as supplemental energy sources. Hmm. So in 2003, Ralph Arenzo had the idea to move upstate New York and partnered with Brian Lee to start a distillery way before the craft spirits industry took off. His bold idea was to create the first whiskey in New York since Prohibition ended. Ralph was instrumental in working with the New York government on changing the laws for craft distilleries everywhere, which now account for over 180 distilleries in the New York state alone. Two self-funded, The two self-funded Tuthill Town, with only the influx uh, of outside capital coming in 2010 with the sale of Hudson Whiskey brand to grants. However, Arenzo cited the need to invest in the distillery's long-term growth is a key reason for bringing the relationship with grants to its logical conclusion. So when co-founder Ralph Arenzo and Brian Lee established the distillery, they decided early on that they weren't going to die on the distillery room floor and eventually would like to sell to a more substantial organization with better resources. So in 2010, Hilltown Spirits sold uh, their business to William Grant & Sons, who also owns Glenfiddich and Balvenie Single Malts. Uh, even though the distillery was sold, Ralph and Brian are still in charge of the production of the Hudson line. There is technically no formal agreement to sell as of yet, but an understanding that Grant will purchase fully once Ralph and Brian decide to sell. So it's just like this agreement that uh, we're, we're going to partner with you, you're going to own us, but right now... We're still going to continue doing what we're doing, and then eventually we'll merge and you'll complete the sale. And this is in what year? 2010. So recent. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Back when this whole idea started, 1934? Who? Um, You said they wanted to be the first whiskey after Prohibition? Yeah. Which to be distilled in New York State, which was 2003. Oh, that was in 2003. Yeah, that's how long ago that was. Or New York is really bad at this whiskey game because there's <laughs> there's a lot of time between yeah. when whiskey showed up and that. Yeah. So 2003. All right. Yep. Um, that was Pataki. Pataki was a governor. Helga Pataki. No, George. <laughs> Jorge's. Helga, remember from Harold? All right. So. Um, yeah, so Hudson uses high-quality grain from local family farmers and straight-up undiluted mash builds. Aging process includes aging the bourbon, listen to this, in a new charred oak barrel but in three-gallon barrels, and they're sonically maturated with the help of bass speakers to agitate the casks and bourbon. You're getting a lot more of the barrel impact in the bourbon. So they're not using 52-gallon barrels. They're using three, two- to three-gallon barrels, and they're just making a lot of them. But you can still legally call it bourbon because it's in a new charred oak barrel. Right. It just is a smaller size. And then they're using base to, like, shake it. It's super interesting. So their current lineup. Now, this bottle that we have here, I don't know when they made the transition to the new labels or the new products. 
but this is an older bottle, I'm pretty sure, even though I bought it recently. Their current lineup includes Bright Lights, Big Bourbon, Do the Rye Thing, Short Stack, which is a rye finish in maple syrup barrels, and then a backroom deal, which is rye finished in peated scotch barrels. So um, they went through this remarketing recently to refine their labels and change their names. So I'm pretty sure that this change happened as a result of being merged in with William Grant and Sons. Got it. Um, that makes sense. So since they didn't have this specific mash bill on there, I did I did do some research on like what it is. There's some rumors that it's 100% corn. There's some rumors that it's 95% corn, 5% malted barley, and that's what the – their Bright Lights Big Bourbon is based off of is basically this mash bill. Um, but Bright Lights Big Bourbon is uh, New York straight bourbon, aged a minimum of three years, 95% corn and 5% malted barley. So that's that. Hudson Baby Bourbon Whiskey. So would you have this neat or would you have it as a cocktail? I would personally have it neat, but we can go over some cocktails right now. Drop the beef at a cocktail section then. <laughs> Mine is the horse's neck. Whoa. Who? It's two ounces of this baby bourbon with some ginger ale and garnished with a lemon peel. Fairly simple cocktail. Nice. But that's called the horse's neck. I wonder why they call it that. It's like a the horse's neck, from what I understand, probably completely wrong, is like pre-prohibition. Or around that time frame. So, I don't, I mean, now it's just whatever bourbon you're having or whatever whiskey you're having and ginger. So, hmm. you know, Jack and Ginger or Jameson and Ginger. That's what people would order now. What, back then, horse's neck. Nice. Nailed it. Interesting. What do you got? Mine's called Cash for Gold, a.k.a. Airport Plaza Jewelers. No, I'm just kidding. It's called Cash for Gold. Two ounces of Hudson bourbon. 0.75 ounces of fresh lemon juice, and then 0.75 ounces of honey syrup. And that's it. We're going simplistic with this cocktail section today. Which I'm really surprised about because typically we have to meal prep, like you say, our cocktails. But today it's just, this is all you need. Yeah. Figure it out. So let's rate this thing. Let's do it. Oh, please don't bring it back. <laughs> oh, goodness. I have to. No, you don't. Yes. Literally. I do. Literally do not. All right. Label branding, A+. plus. No, no, I'm just kidding. Let's go over it. So, this is pretty simple. I like the bottle. I like that it's small, compact. It's nice, like, short and stubby, kind of like me. Um, just kidding. I'm, like, the complete opposite of that. But I kind of like that this is a different bottle shape. You don't see this very often. I'm going C+. Plus. Really? Yeah. Why is that? It's a plus because it's got handwritten notes on the back depicting the year bottle and all that fun stuff but their label is just extremely vague there's almost no color to it at all they have hudson on the back b minus there you go okay i'm good with that there is a cork which is good it's not screw off if it was screw off this would be an f but yeah i mean it's pretty it's pretty bland i mean it's pretty I don't know. The, the only thing new that labels has- are sweet. There's different colors. Their names are more unique. This is just 
Hudson whiskey, baby bourbon. And that's literally all you see. And you have to like squint to figure or like get close up to it to see like the rest of it or try to figure out what else it is. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't really, doesn't razzle my dazzle. The, the new bottles have kind of like a Tommy Rotter vibe to them. Yes. Yes, they do. I agree. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. So B minus. That's what we're going with for this. Yes. Perfect. I concur. B minus. All right. Mm, shallow and pedantic indeed. Who? You don't right. watch Family Guy, so you're not laughing like the no, rest of the world is. I do not. You are correct. Get Getting like a fruity gum scent. Like when you first open a pack of gum. Like a juicy fruit? No. Yeah, juicy but- fruit lasts like three seconds, and it's probably one of the worst fruit fruity gums on the market. What other fruity gums are on the market? Dude, what about those roll-up ones where you like yank oh, it out? Awesome. Like yeah, a, that's what I'm like saying. Tape measure? And those didn't last two seconds. Those lasted like eight seconds. All right, so what flavor though? I, I don't know, man. It's like <laughs> fruity gum. What do you, hold on, let me let me go sniff a bunch of gum at a at a convenience store. Could you this one? <laughs> this one. Derek, I found it. <laughs> You're three aisles over. <laughs> Sir, are you gonna buy it? <laughs> no, been... I just want to try it out. <laughs> Sir, you've been sniffing gum the last five minutes. <laughs> Can you please pull your mask up? You know who wouldn't care, Toby from the office? <laughs> Can you just put it down, just do Michael? You want? <laughs> just put it down. <laughs> do we really have to go over this again, Michael? You've been here three times this week. <laughs> She's yeah, gonna be saying I'm getting... her own last name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? Just, we're going off the rails. <laughs> All because I said it smells like a fruity gum. Okay, here. I'm I'm getting fruit, a little bit of corn, and it's just um it just kind of smells like a candy almost. But not not like just that was like toffee and butterscotch. Butterscotch. And this is just kind of like a, a very sweet, sugary gum flavored scent. In a sense, if that made any sense, I don't know, but you yeah, know, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But oh, you're cooking what I'm smelling. What? <laughs> Dyslexia is awesome. <laughs> Why are we going off the rails in the whiskey section? We never do this. Um, all right, so it's it's cooked gum from what Mike is saying. So let's just keep going. <laughs> Mike, what are you smelling? Because that's what's for dinner. I'll cook whatever you smell, apparently. Yeah. I'm smelling what you're cooking. I'm putting down what you're picking up. Um, all right, so... All right, so you're getting some sort of gum. So, nose. What do you... Be? I, I, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, B's fair. Okay. Initial taste. Because it is gentle in those. You're not getting, like, punched in the face. Yeah. Initial taste is straight-up toasted corn, slight hints of pepper, and... A little cinnamon. And a little cinnamon. And you are getting, like, a... um, It's a higher hug, but it dissipates really fast. It doesn't linger... I think this goes back to what we're talking about with our proof points. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. And it obviously, you know, it's still 
It's 46%, so you're sitting at 92 proof. It does warm your chest, but it doesn't destroy you. And this is, you know what this would be really good with? Is just one drop of water. Hmm. Throw in a drop, let it kind of settle out, and then try it again, because that would cut it down just a hair, and that would probably change the entire profile of it, but we're just raw, so we're just out of the bottle. Always neat. Welcome to the Buffalo Happy Hour. Yeah, you're getting a little bit of like the barrel in there too. So you're getting those traditional vanilla, like I don't want to skip over that because we're trying to look deeper, but you're getting the vanilla, caramel, wood sugars, all that stuff in the initial taste. For me, it's all any note. Really? Yeah, because it dissipates so fast. You have to literally change what you consider the initial taste in any note for this. So... Okay, so vanilla, caramel, and wood sugars you're saying is any note? Yeah, and then you're getting a little bit of pepper, cinnamon, and corn, and or toasted corn on the initial taste. And for the initial taste and the any note, I'm both going to give it a B plus for me. Because it, it's not, I mean, this really is not bad. It's a really good bourbon. Yeah. Obviously, we just took it off the rails because we're cahoots, but... I agree, I agree, I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. Okay, so B minus B, B plus, B plus. Final rating. Okay. I'm good. Give me that countdown. Three, two, one. 84. 84.5. It's disgusting how close we are all the time. That's what she said. 84.5. So that's it. It's a solid B. It is. It's a solid B. It is. I mean, it's, it's a good typical. It's a good typical corn New York whiskey. And do they change this at all since the buyout? Because I'd be curious to see what it tastes like now compared to this specific one. Well, let's go buy one. Well, Do a little comparison. All righty then. Because, like you said, there's mixed reviews on what this is. This might be 100% corn. Their new one is 95.5, so it might be a little bit different. Um, and I'm not sure if they still do their very, very small maturation anymore. I think it's just typical because that's not s- sustainable doing it like that you'll you'll have like stuff everywhere you can't just have a bajillion three gallon barrels else you're never going to make it right so one of the transitions of getting into a more global in or company like the people who produce balvenny and glenfiddich is you have to now make it more because it's going to be available overseas mm-hmm. so i don't think that they can do the three three uh gallon barrel process anymore so i bet it tastes quite a bit different actually I want to try it. Which is why they probably don't call it baby bourbon anymore. Yeah. Addie's would most likely have something like this. Yeah. So we can swing over there. I got this from Centerview Liquor right by my house. So Centerview, thank you. You didn't really do much. I just picked it out and paid you, but thank you. Um, <laughs> well, they had it. So yeah. thanks for having it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I like that. All right, Michael. You ready to get into the prominent people of Buffalo segment? Yes. All right, so everybody, we are back in the Prominent People of Buffalo segment. We have gone through oodles of men so far. No females, actually. That's probably, we should probably change that. But <laughs> we've gone through oodles of 
Uh, we are at episode nine of our segment mini series where we talk about the prominent people that have impacted the Buffalo area. We started out with God knows who, Mr. Stephen Grove in Cleveland, who I still have no idea who he is. <laughs> uh, and then we just most recently talked about William Wilde, Bill Joe Donovan, who had quite a colorful history that was broken out into two episodes. So today for episode nine, we're going to talk about who? Willis Carrier. All right, listen. Got some things to say. Ugh. I muted myself. We're good. <laughs> Derek did a thing with his nose. Well, anyways, if you're not in Buffalo, okay, and you're listening to us, and you've ever walked into a building and enjoyed air conditioning, or if you are in Buffalo and have AC inside your house and or dwelling, Derek's already bored. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. The person to thank is Willis Carrier, and he was born in Buffalo, November 26, 1876. Now, we're talking about prominent figures in Buffalo's history, which the time frame of that is like 17, 18, 1900s. Women were not necessarily as involved in industry as men were in that time period. So we have to kind of figure out how we can incorporate women because they were important women in that time period. I just, they didn't become president. They didn't establish air conditioning because remember, one they didn't of the, create the CIA. One, or, yeah, they didn't create the CIA after leading men into war. Um, <clears throat> it says all men are created equal. Nothing about women. So Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously they they they're tr- they're still playing catch up. Yeah. So that's not our fault. We were born in ninety two. We don't know what's going on. No. We're we just, just reporting history. We just type something in Google. So I gotta ask a question. Is this Willis Carrier dude? Did he stay in Buffalo? Yeah. So it gets to the point where you need air condition like two months out of the year in Buffalo. How did this dude create air condition? So <clears throat> he was an American engineer who is best known for inventing modern AC, but he also invented the first electrical AC unit in 1902. And in 1915, he founded Carrier Corporation. So like package rooftop units for commercial mm-hmm. space, Carrier. Those are his units. So is it like air conditioner filters? Well, filters are a part of an HVAC system, but he completely revamped and modernized the HVAC system. So his company specializes in the manufacture and distribution of HVAC systems, plural. So commercial, industrial, like this is huge, which also trickled down and changed the residential way of life because he introduced AC to it. So if I was a betting man and you said, Derek, where do you think the inventor of AC came from? I would say Arizona. Yeah, right. It doesn't even get to like it gets to the point where I'm like I'm going to turn on my AC because I'm privileged and I have AC, but it's not like a I can't even imagine someone to be like you know what we really need these two months it's unbearable. Did they have heat back then? Uh, yeah, they did. They had fire. That was yeah, a dumb question. Correct. But I just couldn't imagine that this dude's from Buffalo. Well, you know. It is what it is. That's where he was born. Angola. So how fact. did he invent it? Do you know? Is it going to talk all about it? Yeah. I've, like, I want to. <laughs> no. Nope. 
I did zero research. I'm just naming the guy. Look, I didn't want to have a conversation with him. Well, he died in <laughs> 1950, so God bless. But anyways, he was born in Angola, November 26, 1876, to his father and his uh, mom, Dwayne Carrier and Elizabeth Haviland. So on July 17th, 1902 in Buffalo, in response to an air quality problem experienced at the Sackett Wilms Lithographing and Publishing Company of Brooklyn, Willis Carrier submitted drawings for what became recognized as the world's first modern AC system. So the 1902 in uh dear lord, Ooh. the 1902 installation marked the birth of air conditioning because of the addition of humidity control. Because it does get humid here. Now with global warming, we need AC more than ever. Anyways, it led to the recognition by authorities in the field that AC must perform four basic functions. It's not just making it cold. Right. So it's control temp, control humidity, control air circulation and ventilation, and cleanse the air. Those are the four things it has to do. So after several more years of, re- of refinement and field testing on the 2nd of January, 1906, Carrier granted a U.S. patent, which was 808,897, for an apparatus for treating air. That's what he called it. Nice. It was the world's first spray-type AC equipment. It was designed to humidify or dehumidify air heating water for the first function and cooling it for the second. So in 1906, Carrier discovered that constant dew point depression provided practically constant relative humidity, which later became known among AC engineers as the law of constant dew point depression. He basically made a law. I feel like that describes my life. Dew point depression. Continue. Yeah. So on this discovery, he based the design for an automatic control system for which he filed a patent claim on May 17th, 1907. U.S. patent 1,085,971 was issued on February 3rd, 1914. On December 3rd, 1911, he presented what is perhaps the most significant document ever prepared on air conditioning. It was the rational psychrometric formulae at the annual meeting of the American Society of Mechanical Engineers. It became known as the Magna Carta of psychrometrics. This document tied together the concepts of relative humidity, absolute humidity, and dew point temperature, thus making it possible to design air conditioning systems to precisely fit their requirements at hand. He was a pioneer. With the onset of World War I in late 1914, the Buffalo Forge Company, who we've mentioned before, where Carrier had been employed for 12 years, decided to confine its activities entirely to manufacturing. The result was that seven young engineers pulled together their life savings of $32,600. To form the Carrier Engineering Corp. in New York on June 26, 1915. Hmm. So what did he use to cool? Water. Gotcha. So the seven people that threw in their life savings was obviously Carrier, a guy by the name of J. Irving Lyle, Edward T. Murphy, L. Logan Lewis, Ernst T. Lyle, Frank Sana, he's almost there. 
Alfred E. Stacy Jr. and Edmund P. Heckle. The company eventually settled on. Please tell me they called that all their last names. No, 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 no. Lyle it's, Santa it's, Heckle. It's the name of the street that they were in in Newark, New Jersey. It's like Frank Frankenheisen. German. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> who wants to go fast swim? <laughs> so, despite the development of the centrifugal refrigeration machine and the commercial growth of AC to cool buildings in the twenties. The company ran into financial difficulties, as did many others, as a result of the Wall Street crash in October 1929. Pretty big time frame. In 1930, Carrier Engineering Corp. merged with Brunswick Corsial Company and York Heating. York is still everywhere in regards to HVAC and Ventilation Corp. to form the Carrier Corp. So they all merged, and Willis Carrier was named chairman of the board. Yeah, he's the one that filed the patent he should be well, named. they're basically like hey like who else would it be right. you know so the great depression slowed residential and commercial use of air conditioning the company spread out over four cities in new jersey npa until carrier consolidated moved into his company to syracuse new york in 1937 so the company became one of the largest employers in central new york willis made this thing called the igloo in 1939 new york's world fair and gave Visitors, a glimpse into the future of air conditioning. He literally made a bubble, and he's like, walk into it. So it's X degrees outside. They walk inside, and it's cool. And they're all flipping out. They're like, what? How? Like, what is going on? And he's like, air conditioning. So before it became popular, World War II struck. So during the post-war economic boom of the 50s, AC began its tremendous growth into popularity. Today, AC and HVAC is a staple in many American homes, per your reference. So imagine going to the World Fair, which still exists today, in Syracuse, and you're literally walking around and you see Willis Carrier standing there and he's like, walk into my igloo, bro. And they're like, why? And he's like, just do it. So then they go in and they're like, wow, it's... 35 degrees cooler in here. That's sweet. Yeah. And that's two hours away. Born in Angola, 40 minutes south. So in 1930, Carrier shared Toyo Carrier and Samsung applications in Japan and Korea. South Korea is now the largest producer for air conditioning in the entire world. The Carrier Corp pioneered the design and manufacture of refrigeration machines to cool large spaces. By increasing industrial production in the summer months, AC revolutionized American life. The introduction of residential AC in the 20s helped start the great migration to the company Sunbelt. Sound mm. familiar? Mm. So the company became a subsidiary of United Technologies Corp. in 1980 and renamed until 2020. It was spun off again as an independent publicly traded company, which is what we are used to when we drive down Union and see Sunbelt all over the place. Right. Um, the Carrier Corp. remains a world leader in commercial and residential HVAC and refrigeration. In 2018, Carrier Corp. had sales of $18.6 billion and employed 53,000 people. Carrier and all three of his wives are buried in Forest Lawn Cemetery in Buffalo. He fathered one kid whose name is Howard Carter Willis, and he adopted Willis two other Carrier? kids. Huh? Howard Carter Willis or Howard yeah. Carter Carrier? No, Willis. Isn't his first name Willis? I don't know what to tell you. That's his kid's name. <laughs> he also adopted two other kids. 
So which wife is buried next to him? His first, second, or third? Well, he's probably just got all of them around him. <laughs> I mean, how would you do it, bro? Like, could you imagine that? You just like you walk up to the holy gates and you got one in each arm, and then you're like, I don't know. I guess you could just kind of like lead us or something. Like, I don't. How does that work? You got three wives, and you're all, you know, it's kind of strange. Like, do they what, position what them they around them? I don't. I haven't been there, but <laughs> what if what if they all died at different times? Does he walk up solo and then they all greet him at the same time? That'd be awkward too. Like, who are you? Well, I'm his first wife. Well, I'm his second wife. Well, I'm his third wife. Well, like, should this guy even get into heaven? Yeah. You know, like, how does that work? So, which one's on his tombstone? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Is it his third wife and then his first wife's like, excuse me. I need to be here, so they just etched her name in the tombstone. I love how they don't even talk about his other two kids. Like, oh, he just adopted them. Probably because like, the what first is kid's name? last name is is Willis, which is Willis's first name. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Well, I that's that. So, bro. do you think inventing AC leads to multiple wives? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're keeping them all cool, it's true. Then they're all happy, so they probably want to stick around for a while. That's fascinating. Yeah. So were that's... they all his wife at one time? See, we have to talk about... I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so that's it. That's Interesting. It. That's so the it. adventure of AC is in Buffalo. Yes. Which is easily one of the coldest climates in <laughs> the United States. And he's like, you know what? This two months is quite a burden on me. Let's uh, cool something in Syracuse. In it, igloo. And I'm sure like it was thought about by other people. Like, ah, it's really hot in here. I wish it was colder. And then he had the brains to just figure it out. It's fascinating. But, like, this might be a dumb question. It probably is going to be a dumb question. But you can only cool something so far with water. Like, yeah, and its need... exhaust is extremely hot, too, obviously. So, yeah. But it's all based on the coils. But they didn't have coils back then. That well, that's how they cooled it. Cool. Well, that's how they cooled it. That's how AC works. Now. But when you're just running regular tap water through coils that's not going to cool anything by much it probably went from 98 degrees in his house to 97.5 and he's like nailed it filing a patent here heats let me break this down there's there's steps there's four steps okay so heat is absorbed by the evaporator coil okay so the warm air inside your house is drawn in through a vent and blows over the cold evaporator coil. The compressor raises the refrigerant temperature. Now, yeah, but they didn't have refrigerant back when he invented AC. Well, the, that's what I'm saying. Well, they did in the 20s. They did? Well, they that's had refrigerant literally back in the what 20s? I just said. Yeah. I thought you were talking about current HVAC no. stuff. No. So then the heat's transferred outside in the exhaust. So out of the top of your AC unit, it's always super hot where the fan mm. is. And then the refrigerant gets cold and the process repeats. That's how it works. It's just all like. It's all inside. He figured out how to do that inside of one unit. And then he grew it to do larger spaces with larger units, which is why there's like legit walk-in HVAC units that mm-hmm. are full of filters. What's up, M&T Bank? That's how my mortgage gets paid. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's it's fascinating. That's why you were wearing that scarf the other day. That's right. It's a mortgage signal. Just let them know. Never <laughs> missed a payment through a global <laughs> pandemic. Goodness. But yeah, so that's that's, that's Willis Carrier. I'm more fascinated that they had refrigerant back in the 20s. Yeah, so let's let me scroll up and then find where it said that. Because they don't have like Freon back then for freezers. So I'm shocked that they had refrigerant. You know what I'm saying? Well, 
Did they? Refrigerant? When was the first freezer made? I don't know, dude. Maybe they did, because this is early 1900s. I got it. When was the first fridge... No, freezer. Freezer. Because they had uh, frozen food. The 40s. So around the same time. And then that introduced frozen food, and then the, the entire food industry boomed with transporting frozen food that was already made. And that's when obesity also grew. And the dude that first came up with the idea of frozen food was his fish was frozen, and then once he got back to his cabin, it came back to life. And then he was the one that came up with the idea of frozen food and then became a pioneer in the food industry and became a multi-gajillionaire. Is he also from Buffalo? I don't believe so, I would no. believe that story from him being from Buffalo, that his fish was frozen, rather than <laughs> the dude creating AC for Buffalo. No, I honestly think he was, like, up north in Canada. That makes sense. Not that he was from there, but he was there when that event happened. I believe. I, I'm uh, I'm going off a of memory off of uh, the... Not how the states got its shape, but, like, a history show that talks about the, the history of food. Unwrapped so, yeah. with Mark Summers. No, not in RAM. No free shout outs. We'll talk off camera. So, yeah, so it's been an hour. I wonder how many wives the fish do, Dad. No, oh, Christ. <laughs> Dumpster fire. We're off the rails. Listen, right. thank you everyone for coming. We appreciate any and all support. If you're not following us on Instagram and Facebook, we're the Buffalo Happy Hour. And then on Instagram, we're the Buffalo Happy Hour 12. If you want to follow us on YouTube and subscribe, we greatly appreciate it. Also, follow us on Spotify if you're not already. Um, but we're the Buffalo Happy Hour on youtube and we are about to surpass 240 subs which is great i'm about to sneeze so take over but you um yeah so we if you haven't left us a review on itunes please do that also helps us quite a bit i'm gonna mute mike's microphone for the rest of the time um you know what it's probably your hvac system here that's letting you sneeze inside we should call willie's carrier it's not because i have a merv 9 filter inside but anyways we'll talk about it later when was that invented and i got a boiler was that guy from buffalo what who uh but yeah the filter was made 1975 in louisa virginia go ahead your filter was yeah shouldn't you replace it every like three months oh goodness (laughs) the company bro the company the filter's two months old (laughs) thank you all We'll see you next time. Take care. God bless. This has been episode 74 (laughs) of the Buffalo Happy Hour podcast. Please, everybody, remember to drink responsibly, be a good person, and Michael, do not litter. We're out. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details